you for the opportunity to hear your word today and for the ability to apply your word. We can mix it with faith. We have the ability to believe everything that you say and believe you to bring everything to pass. So we thank you, Lord, for faith in your word and the blessing that comes with knowing your word. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So today we're going to talk about the power of agreement, okay? The power of agreement and what bearing that has on your life and the lives of uh, situations that you will pray for and speak into. Uh, Agreement is very powerful. Uh, In the Bible, you'll see the word agree used interchangeably with the word for covenant, amen? Uh, And it has to do with uh, coming together in thought and purpose uh, and idea to be in harmony, to be uh, in symphony and on one accord. The word word used for agreement or agree in in Greek is symphonisin, which the word symphony comes from. So the, when you're in agreement, you are harmonious with another individual. That's why the Bible is so strong about uh, agreement and how it is honored because it is something, if you think about it, uh, the Bible says that God uh, upholds the world with the word of his power. And one of the reasons that God's uh, word is so strong is that it has three witnesses at all times. So God built the world on the power of agreement. So that cannot be broken. So what is established by God, has it, it is consistent throughout all of creation. And so when God begins to set in motion something in the earth, it's already agreed upon when his word goes forth. So there's all already agreement. That's why there's a, the Bible says a threefold cord is what? Not quickly broken. And so that's why the scripture cannot be broken. That's why it's forever settled. That's why it will come to pass. So God set that in motion before the foundation of the earth. That's why he's not moved by what the devil or his people do. He's not moved by a lot of nonsense that goes on already. In fact, it says he who sits in the heaven laughs at anybody who tries to oppose him because he knows their day is coming. Why? Because he's already in agreement that it's going to fail. He's already in agreement that it's not going to work. He's already in agreement that it's not going to last. It's not going to come to a good end. He's already in agreement on that. And that agreement is what cannot be broken. So the word uh, agreement also means to be in harmony. It means uh, to agree with or call out with, to match, to be in concord, or to compact together. So agreement then because it's 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 a harmonizing of ideas of voices of purpose of intent see many times when you come into agreement with people you're coming into agreement with an intent uh and a spirit 
whether we know it or not. Um, it's, it's very, very important to watch, to be led by the Holy Spirit in what you amen and what you support and what you hear and the way you let it enter into your heart. Because spirits are transferred very easily from person to person. That's how a lot of people get in trouble. You know, you got saved because your spirit began to be influenced by the Holy Spirit. And you came into a whole new way of living in a whole new world. But just like the Holy Spirit grabbed your spirit, you harmonized with somebody who shared with you the gospel and you got saved. You came into agreement with what that word was saying to you and what that spirit was offering to you. And then you partook of that same Holy Spirit. Well, in the same way, you can partake of other spirits as well through the same power of agreement, harmony, and concord. And so when you think about it, if if the word agreement or agree means to harmonize, that means that it makes a sound in the realm of the spirit. A single voice makes one kind of sound. Agreement makes a different sound. So it's these sounds that that vibrate and reverberate through the realm of the spirit that are picked up by different entities that have something to do with what you say. When when you speak God's word, you speak it in faith. Sometimes you just got a little bit of faith on it. Sometimes it feels like it doesn't go very much farther than the end of your lips. You know, sometimes you, you know, you speak in the situations that are 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 set against you. Uh, like, for instance, if if you you've got bills that have piled up or or something, and then the, the day of reckoning comes, and you can begin to declare that God is your helper, He is your provider. You know, you should have been saying that all along while you was out spending, but you know, we won't go into that. That's where you enter the plea of the blood of Jesus. You know, he takes care of all of that for me. Thank you, Jesus, for getting me out of this trouble. Amen. 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 But, but you know, uh, certain certain spirits are dispatched at certain sounds. And in order for that dispatch to happen that sound has to reach a certain faith volume. You got me? You ever had a situation that was really devastating and and it put you into a certain frame of mind, a certain mood, a certain level of discouragement, of hopelessness, and all of that? Well, you have the ability within you to make all of that lift by piercing through that with the Word of God. See, what we tend to do is wait until we feel better or wait until you're in a different mood or wait until the situation corrects before we'll feel differently about it. But the Bible says in the midst of of David's people wanting to kill him, he encouraged himself. So he did something. There was something already resident within him that came up out of him that commanded that atmosphere to go from defeat to victorious. See? 
See, when you start, first start declaring against the circumstances, circumstances really carry with them spiritual forces that, that uh, enforce that. See, if, if the enemy says you can't pay your bills, he brings with him a certain level of a believability on that. He brings certain spiritual forces that force you to believe it and make you feel a certain way because of what you believe. So then all of that gets arrayed against you, and it's like everything's pressing in on you until you begin to release. Hmm? And as you release that, sometimes the first time you say it is like, what did I say that for? That didn't even make a dent in nothing. Uh But faith is an action that is continuous. So if you, the Bible says, if you continue in my word, if you continue to, anybody can say it one time and hope it moves. And if it don't move, you just go on continue to believe in the depressing news that you just heard. But if you will continue, see, warriors fight with the word of God. You press in with that because that word has been given to you as your weapon of warfare to defeat, first of all, the atmosphere that's making that all too real to you. And then after that, it's to pierce through that and call that thing down from its exalted place and make it bow to the word of God. Amen. So what we do when we fight with our weapon of the word is that we enter into agreement with what God's already agreed on, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You're just agreeing with what's already agreed on. And resisting the evil report that came after what God already agreed on. See, God's word to prosper you or to heal you came before the foundation of the earth. The devil's decision to take it away from you came after that. So how is something that comes after going to supplant something that came before? Huh? Now, if you agree with what the enemy says, then you're stuck with it until you decide not to agree with it anymore. You're not stuck with it forever. I said you're not stuck with it forever. You could agree with God anytime you want to. You can rise up and just like the, the uh, lepers who were sitting outside the Gatus and Mary. They looked around and said, well, wait a minute. Why are we going to sit here and let death come on us? Let's go fight a little death. Let's go see what's out there. Let's go see if something's changed. See, that's the way the Spirit of God moves on people. He will come to you with this idea that you don't have to put up with that. You don't have to sit and wait for something to change. You are the change that the atmosphere has been challenging. Always keep the word of God on your lips. Don't agree with what the enemy is saying. Uh, you know, you'll have people say stuff like, um, uh, you know, if, if you get a report that you're sick and you refuse to agree with it, and, and they'll say stuff like, well, you, you, you're in denial. No, I'm not in denial. I'm denying the devil an opportunity to make that real in my life. 
See, there's so many forces. You'll have church people that want to fight you tooth and nail to make you say that you, how come you can't say you sick? Because I ain't sick. Huh? Well, how come you, you got them, how come, well, what's wrong with you? Nothing's wrong with me. I'm healed. I told you I'm healed. You see, when the atmosphere starts to try and get you to agree with what's going on in the natural, you resist that. And you begin to declare the word of the Lord. You can't just resist it and not say anything. You have to resist by saying. You can't resist and not say the word of God. That's why it's good to read your Bible. So you'll have something to say. Huh? True that, true that. So a single voice makes one sound. Agreement makes a totally different quality of sound. Agreement is a done deal, and it has to be honored in heaven, according to Matthew 18. If you'll turn there, uh, it's interesting. This this discourse was a teaching that Jesus did, really, on forgiveness, on letting things go, uh, uh, how to deal with offenses, and so forth and so on. And then he comes up with this thing on agreement, and it's like, where did this come from? Verse 15, moreover, if your brother shall trespass against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. Don't run and tell 15 people in the church. Well, you know, I was just asking him for prayer. You liar. You wasn't asking him for prayer. You tried to get somebody in trouble. Huh? <laughs> It's funny, you'll go find somebody you know don't like them like you don't like them to talk to. Be careful what you agree with. Huh? He says, you go and tell him by yourself, and don't go telling him off. You humble yourself when you, you know, go to people. If you're, You know what? A lot of times people, they will never talk to that person that they say offended them. You know why not? Because they know once they get there, they're going to have to forgive them, and, it, and they can't make a big deal. of. People tend to like to make a big deal of stuff while they can and where they can. If you ever go to your brother with it, and, and you know it will be resolved right there on the spot, but you don't want that. You want to keep a little stuff going huh? while you can. You know, we like to let everybody know how how ill we're, be, we're being treated and how people don't like us and you know all this kind of stuff so as long as we can get that attention that's what we're looking for we're not looking for resolution because if you're looking for resolution you'll do what the bible says you know what to do he says but if he won't hear you then take two or two take with you one or two more that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established now, we're not talking about somebody says something to hurt your feelings here. We're talking about breaking the law of God where restitution is involved. So if somebody in the church borrows money from you and they don't pay you back, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the average thief here. We're not talking about somebody says something you don't like me. Because usually we don't even talk to people about stuff like, you know what to do with that. You go in your closet, forgive them. Quit thinking the world revolves around you. 
Huh? It's like we swing open the church doors. I'm here. Ta-da. Love me. Pay attention to me. Notice my new whatever. Just go sit down and listen to the word. Go sit your little self down. Huh? <laughs> so if he neglects to hear you, then you can come and speak to the church. We're talking major offenses here. You know, back in the day, it was somebody trying to steal somebody's husband or wife. You could go to the authority at the church and get that straightened out. You know, all that kind of stuff. We don't do that anymore. We we don't really have a standard too much in the church world because everything offends everybody. And everybody's scared they're going to get sued about something. Huh? You know, I, I can remember I was, I was at uh, Pastor Shirley's old church this week for her mother-in-law's um, homegoing service. And, um, I, well, they're Baptists, but now they're spirit-filled Baptists. They got the little shingle out there, you know, probably, I don't know, a spirit-filled, but they, some tongue, tongue talkers. It's allowed. It's not, you know, the devil anymore. It's not him. And uh, so we were there, and, and uh, I had a proclamation that I stole from somebody. I'll tell you right out front, but, you know, I use it. <laughs> Makes me look official. And so uh, the, the, the pastor's daughter, is he's retired now, and now she's the, the pastor of the church. he got a woman pastor there. So it was interesting, but when they were uh, eulogizing her mother-in-law, they talked about, all the little stories about life in the church, you know, and what she she shared with people and how she impacted, you know, people in the church and so forth. And I was listening. I said, you know, people just don't do that anymore. They don't invest time. And, you know, if you say something, like they were saying, she would teach me how to hold my head up and, and how to, you know, dress in the church and how to look dignified and not, you know what I'm saying. You You, you belong to Christ. You kind of get cleaned up a little bit. Some people wear them same old jeans they got saved in and, you know, same old, they just don't receive, you know. Uh, People come to you and offer you opportunity improvement, especially the older women in the church. They're not a threat to you. You know, I mean, somebody with that many years, they they ain't looking for nothing from, from you. They're not... They ain't in your league trying to compete with you and take your man or try to outdress you or something like that. They're trying to love on you and show you how to be a dignified young woman. But, you know, if you go up to somebody in the church now and say anything about their dress, you're the pastor. They want to cuss you out. Well, I don't have any clothes. I know you don't. You. I'm trying to get you to invest in some. You hold no more. Put on some. Don't you see in the Bible it says modest apparel? What's, what's modest about what you're doing? You got to get rough with some of these little sisters. They want to stare you down and. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. Then they go to the next church and, and straighten up. See, they want to get accepted over there. They want to fight you, go to the next place, and they want to straighten up. Just sharing, just sharing. 
Can we have a moment for sharing? Sharing is caring. Whatever. Huh? I wear my skirts to my ankles. I ain't trying to get you a man. You understand what I'm saying? It's safe to bring them here because I ain't after nobody like that. Okay. So agreement is not always easy. So we were in Matthew chapter uh, 18. I'm sorry. And he was saying that if you have an offense against your brother, you take it to them privately first. And then you can ask some witnesses to be there that you've tried to settle this in a church way. That's what this is. It's settling its dispute among church people. And then he says here, and if he neglects to hear them, verse 17, tell it to the church. But if he neglects to hear the church, now this is somebody who just rebellious. They ain't a part of things anyway and don't want to be. You got me? So he says, just treat him like a heathen man or a publican, you know. Have no agreement with him. Be careful in your fellowship. He's already ripped somebody off in the church. I mean, you've got to stop the trouble before it gets rampant. Huh? You have people that go and give a sob story to everybody. You find that one person owes everybody money in the church. Huh? I had an uncle. You would ask him to borrow stuff, and he said, I don't loan nothing. He said, I'll give it to you. And I do the same thing. I said, well, that's wise, because if I give it to you, I'm already ripped off. I ripped myself off. I don't have to wait to get mad at you. Praise the Lord. He said, truly, I say to you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And so if this man is excommunicated and disfellowshipped, God will honor it. Because he's broken the law and he's not living in covenant harmony with, with church people. Got me? That's why some people can't really tap into the flow of life in a congregation. They won't let themselves. Some people are professional backbiters. They come to church to look at, around and see if they can find a fault, and then they want to go talk about it all day long. I don't know why I'm on this today, but you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's just that way. And see, we'll try and get those people, that then they leave, and then we want to go follow them, try to talk them into coming back. They were never a part of things to begin with. So God has loosed them from you. Because they're not connected to him. He says, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it will be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. Amen. Where two of you are gathered together in my name, he says it over again. There I am. I am witnessing what you agree upon amen when you're gathered together in my name now if you're just getting together to, to you know talk nonsense with people that's not something god honors he's not going to do that that's not a work of god to do for you but there is a spirit that will accomplish that if you insist in agreeing on it see there are a lot of things we agree upon but then we loose ourselves from them through repentance. 
Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Because anybody can get stupid. You can get deceived. Somebody come to you in the church, you say, well, so they say, well, so-and-so did this and that and the other. And you mad at them for days and find out they lied to you. Huh? And all this time you've been walking around mad at sister so-and-so thinking, you know, it's all true. And you find out, well, then you repent. And you say, and God looses you from agreement with that, from that soul tie with that individual. Amen. We do it all the time. Yeah. And so pretty soon you, you realize how to stay away from certain people when they got that spirit on them. So agreement is very powerful. And it's not always easy. To agree also means to pledge or to promise. So there is promise in agreement. Contracts are one way that people agree. They are binding and enforceable by law. You can make a contract out of anything. They don't all have to be notarized. They must be signed, though, and duly witnessed, but very often in the world uh, world system, they will honor verbal contracts if you have two or three witnesses to what somebody says. Deathbed confessions are valid like that. You got me? And so we have to understand that when you come into agreement, that thing is binding on the part of both parties. So contracts are ways that people agree. They can be broken also and reversed, and you can be released from them. For instance, you might have a, a, a car note and, and the finance company says, well, you have paid everything except the last two payments. We'll release you from that obligation. And they'll send the contract back to you where they don't have their, their copy anymore and you've been released from that obligation. Hebrews 6.16 6, tells us that an oath of confirmation is an end of all strife. Hmm? And that is concerning agreement that comes in a vow. A vow is another stronger type of agreement. These generally are sworn oaths that are spiritually binding. So an oath is stronger than a written or verbal contract with another human being because the the oath confirms the vow. So if you are vowing in the, the, the most common one that we understand now, now there are personal vows that we make within ourselves, you know, in the Catholic Church, uh, people who are, are um, serving in that organization take vows. They, they vow, uh, the vow of poverty is not saying, I like being broke. When they take the vow of poverty, what they are saying is they are releasing myself from this world's goods and the love of it. Does that seem familiar to anybody here? I've heard ministers make fun of Catholics over that forever. And I don't think it's anything to make fun of. I think it's very admirable. In fact, if more of our ministers would do it, they'd get in less trouble with the Internal Revenue Service. Huh? Which when you ain't doing right, it gets to be the infernal revenue service because, you know, they come after you with a vengeance. And so when you, when you have that, uh, you have vowed a vow before God and he holds you to it. He becomes the one 
who enforces that oath. He does it by working on your conscience. Huh? When when people quote unquote leave the Catholic Church, like we had that during the the uh, 60s and 70s, we had a lot of nuns and priests decide they were just hypocrites trying to be celibate, and they decided, eh, let's just leave and go be normal people. But they had to get released from their vows by the church in order for that not to be binding on their lives anymore. The ones who got the good release just went on with their lives because you can you can petition the church. I don't want to keep the vows anymore, I, you know, whatever, whatever, and you can get a release from them. And they didn't suffer guilt for leaving because they had no authority to leave. The vows are very powerful. They're very powerful. You're, you would rather go through the proper channels and get released from a vow than to break it and suffer the guilt and torment of your own conscience because there's a binding oath that has held you into this vow. The same power that helped you keep the vow will fight against you if you try to break it without their authority. You got me? It works through your conscience. You know, we're, we're the, we make vows to ourselves all the time. Huh? You ever said, I'm never going to do so? We do it all the time. And then you go, you start getting weak and want to do something. And say, uh. Or the, the diet that we get on. You feel just as guilty for eating something you told yourself you weren't supposed to eat. Don't tell yourself. You know you, don't lie to yourself. You know you're going to eat it anyway. Just say, well, I'll do it like my dad used to say. Everything in moderation. He'd be drunk as a skunk. Huh? I drink in moderation. I say, if that's moderation, <laughs> man, <laughs> brother Taiwan on. But his confession was right, amen. He knew the right thing to do. But but we make promises to ourselves all the time. We make oaths to ourselves, and we don't know how strong they are because sometimes we think we're just saying something in the heat of the moment. But if it comes into your heart to say it as a way to prevent yourself from trouble or distress. People, you know, get married, have a bad, I'm never going to get married again. But they can't quit looking at somebody. Huh? What you going to do with them? You just going to look at them? Uh, Maybe I'll date a little bit, but I ain't going to get married. Huh? true do it all the time and so some some vows are weaker some are stronger many times when you make vows to prevent a crisis or a difficult situation in your life you will you know you will go to extreme lengths to keep your word to yourself because your conscience tells you you shouldn't do something because you promise yourself And see, many times people don't understand what's holding them into a certain type of way of life or a certain type of mentality. And it's an inner vow. You know, you can recognize them a a mile away. You know, people will say things like, well, well, uh, I I I always said I wasn't going to do certain so-and-so and so-and-so. Well, you need to repent of that and tell God to take that off of you. 
Huh? And they don't think it takes all that, but it does. If you want to leave, live free of your own guilty conscience over nothing, huh? So you have to learn that inner vows often hold us to certain kinds of thinking, believing, behavior, all of that. So an oath of confirmation, see, you've sworn within yourself that you're not going to make yourself vulnerable again. And so you swear off certain things because to enter into that causes you too much anxiety, too much discomfort, too much this, too much that. Got me? And so, you know, we have to understand that vows, inner vows can hold us into certain behavior through fear. Now, you can make a vow through faith and in a peaceful heart. Hopefully, you get married, you're making your vows through faith and through a peaceful heart. And so, the, the God will help you to keep that vow to yourself and to the other person. So when you get married, you have a vow sworn to two people, three people really, to God, yourself, and that person that you're married to. And so God will help you keep that vow by putting you under conviction, and then you get under guilt when you're getting close to breaking that vow. Huh? I remember, uh, I probably told you all this before, but, you know, I was that, that, you know, God will help you. Sometimes he helps you through other people. I remember we were uh, over at Pastor Shirley's uh, years ago, and uh, her husband was sitting on the porch with mine. We were standing in the house in the doorway. They had a screen door. So we had the habit of just easing up there and not breathing too hard, let them know we were there. So this young girl comes in half our age, and she walks by, and it was like a 4th of July. She didn't have much on. And so both of them, they sit out there in shades. You know what the shades was for. (laughs) Cover up them red eyeballs. They was always going around the corner. We go in the corner store. Y'all ain't going nowhere. You know, just go and smoke your little dope because we didn't let them smoke it around. You know, it's whatever. And so they both did like this. When she went by. So we stood in the door enforcing our vows. Oh, you dirty dog. I hope your eyeballs fall out. So you threaten them with the curse. It's the best you can do. You know, you all have God. We wasn't saved back in the day, so we did the best we could do. But but that's enforcing your vows, see. <laughs> God will come along and help you to enforce vows that you've made because you'd rather keep your vow than live in guilt and condemnation. Amen. But then there are some vows that are foolish that we need to learn how to release ourselves from those. Marriage ain't one of them, okay? That's not a foolish vow. So don't go there. You know, people say, well, I didn't know what I was doing. You still don't. That don't stop you from doing a lot of stuff that you do. Anyhow, that's another story. So God binds himself to his word with an oath of agreement. Amen. That ensures that he will do what he says. God's oath of confirmation means that he will do what he says. His oath is our insurance policy. 
he has already placed down collateral on every promise that he gives us, that he makes to us, and that is the blood of his son. Amen. That's your guarantee that God will do what he says he's going to do. That blood makes it enforceable on his end. It's our insurance. His blood, which is his own life, is sworn. So the blood that Jesus said is a token of the life of the Trinity. So God will cease to exist, all three, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, if he does not keep a promise that he has made to you if you believe. Continue to believe in it. Amen. You see God is still up there, right? He's still alive, so he ain't done himself in because he couldn't keep his word to somebody. So God is trustworthy to bring his word to pass. So he gives the same demand to us in agreement. So when we come into agreement with the word of God, we are agreeing with something that's already agreed upon. Amen. So we're entering into an established order of things by putting our confidence over in what they've done. Not in what you say and how you say it, how much you say it, how powerful you sound. Don't put your faith in that. Because there are times where you'll, you'll say amen or you come into agreement or you speak the word and it don't sound like it's going nowhere. But you still, you, so you're not having confidence so much in what you do, but you're entering into a power that's already established to bring that thing to pass. So you're just saying yes and amen to what they've already got established out there that's working and working flawlessly. So you can withdraw your agreement from uh, any vows and any, any uh, uh, things that are going on on the earth. And you can put your agreement over in what's going to come to pass and what's established already in heaven. The thing that we don't know many times is when it's going to happen. We don't know. And so God reserves that part of it for himself because he knows what he needs to see transpire before he will bring those things to pass. But know that God is trustworthy over his word. And he gives us the same demand in agreement. The oath and the promise say God agrees with himself. He doesn't need anybody. You're just entering into what he's already agreed on. If you can understand that. Is that clear? It's like you're stepping into something that's complete and perfect, not lacking anything, when you speak the word of God, say, for instance, you, you know, somebody calls you and says one of your children had an accident, you know, they, they, in a car or something like that. When you start to speak God's word into that situation, you enter into agreement with him that your child is safe, secure. If he was safe and secure before the phone call, your agreement with God will keep that established and not let this other thing come in and rob it from you because you agree with what you just heard. See, what you just heard doesn't cancel God's plan for him. 
If he woke up safe and secure and sound this morning, then he's going to be safe and secure and sound, depending upon what you agree with. When you start saying, my child is safe, people hit you with, why are you saying that? He, he, he had an accident, but he's safe in Jesus' name. He's safe with God. He's safe. I don't care. And see, the enemy will come and try to talk you into agreeing with something temporary and destructive that's not promised to you by God. The intimidators are around, folks. They'll try to get you, and what you're doing is you're, you're attempting to enter into God's already promise for your child and reverse this temporary thing. You want to make it as temporary as possible, don't you? You don't need to wait and hear about the x-rays or anything like that. You begin to come into agreement with what God strongly promised you, And the same word that's holding up the world will hold up your kid. You got me? Agreement is a kingdom principle. It is so established. Why did we say? Because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in agreement on every word of God. So it is a kingdom principle and cannot be broken. Satan will use this to his advantage as well. He will tell two people the same lie and they both believe it, then base their decisions on it as they come to pass. So, so they'll, they'll base their decisions on lies, and it will cause those lies to come to pass. They'll tell you, you know, there's so many lies. Look at the people believe in evolution. They don't believe God created the earth. I mean, if you step out into the world of, of where the devil really lives, you'll find it's, it's built upon nothing but lies. And so when you say, God, they'll laugh at you. Well, really, we should be laughing at them. But we suffer the intimidation. Why? Because we don't understand oftentimes how to fight these things. You fight them with the truth of God's word. You understand me? I mean, many times people don't have that argument anymore. But it used to be hotly debated between church people. And and what the people that perpetrated it a lot back in the day were actually spiritists, witches, and devil worshipers. And so they got this idea. and, And that idea has done nothing but destroy humanity and turn us one against the other uh, since it was first conceived. So you look at the fruit. Like they would say man descended from apes. Then they wanted to see who was the first descendant so they can call you a monkey. You understand what I'm saying? And so these things, even though they seem ridiculous to a believer, by faith we know that the worlds were were created by God. Amen? So if you're a faith person, you know that by faith. You don't have to have been back there with him to see it created, but by faith you know it's true. And because they're not entered into the same faith you're in, they'll think anything. So they can believe that they're related to a a monkey. You understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, we found the missing link. No, you'll never find it because it's missing. It ain't there. Missing means it's missing, and it won't be found. 
And so many times we'll, we'll allow those words to stay out there because we don't want to get into strife and arguing with people. But you need to leave the word of God deposited out there. You got me? I don't care what you say. I read my Bible and God created this world. You can believe what you want to, but that's what I believe. You understand what I'm saying? And learn how to leave the word of God out there and come into agreement with what God says. So Satan will use lies to his advantage. If he can get more than one person believing the same lie, then there's agreement there. What agreement does is it draws spiritual forces toward that statement to reinforce its validity. And so pretty soon a lie gets to be so big, it seems hard for the believer to fight. That's why many people give up on healing. They give up on reconciliation. They give up on finding a good job. They give up on these things because they seem insurmountable. But remember, when you speak God's word, you are coming into agreement with a strong promise that's already done and established in the world. And so you're not trying to force them to change, do anything. You are settling it by putting your faith in God and saying, God, I believe you, I believe what you say, and my agreement is with you, and it's not with this darkness out here that people are trying to get me to believe. If we want to agree with a lie, God will let us have that. In Acts chapter 5, Verse 1, a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. So they both were owners of this property and sold it. And they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it or in agreement with it. And brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of land? Now, this is the thing you've got to understand. When you come into agreement with a lie, you are lying before the Holy Spirit. You want to walk in truth, folks. You don't want to. People tell you all kinds of stuff. They'll get you involved in in some of the subtleties that people get involved in. Christians get involved in a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Eastern thought and stuff. They start doing yoga, uh, you know, or or they'll get involved in these meditation things. Well, why don't you meditate on your Bible? Oh, well, I do this to relax me. I said, honey, you will never get so relaxed as when you read Psalm 23 all the way through. See, a lot of times in our ignorance of what's available to us and our refusal, you know what we do? We don't want to get uh, involved in the word. Uh, I want to be one of them religious fanatics and they don't do nothing but be in church all the time. Now, that ain't me. It needs to be you. huh? If that keeps you out of the yoga people. See, I don't get much applause there. You know why? 
People get so indoctrinated with this stuff. They think there's nothing wrong with I mean, there's nothing wrong with anything to some people. Huh? No, not Oprah doing yoga. Talking about Weight Watchers. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, lady, I'm so sick of you. I said, the last three diets you was on, I got sick of hearing about it. You're doing the same thing everybody doing, gaining and losing, gaining and losing, gaining and losing. That ain't news. Come back when you guys, come back when you tell me you ain't fornicating with Stedman no more and you done got married. Bring me some news. I'm going to get all happy and join it. Yeah, maybe I do need to join, but I ain't joining. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I ain't joining nothing. Huh? Praise God. So anyway, uh, okay, so anyway, don't lie to the Holy Ghost. He lives inside of you. Don't believe lies. that are. T- I don't care how nice they sound to you, how wonderful they sound. People get involved in stuff trying to seem intellectual and, and mysterious. And You are neither. You ain't either. You're neither intellectual nor mysterious. Just be you. Mm-hmm. He says, why has why Satan filled your heart? To lie to the Holy Ghost. He's like, Ananias, man, you be sitting up here in the meetings every day. You come in, you pray, and oh, why you let Satan get a hold of you and cause you to do this? He said, while it remained, wasn't it yours? Now, this is the thing we've got to, to learn about what we possess. It's yours until you decide which portion you want to give to God. See, that's where the heart thing comes in. See, if your heart's pure before God, you'll give what God tells you to do. If it's not, the devil's gotten in there, and he's causing you to lie to the Holy Ghost. He said, well, wasn't it in your possession, and after it was sold, wasn't that money under your power to do what you wanted to do? You had the decision to make. If you only wanted to be part, bring part, just bring part. Nobody going to take you to jail for the rest of it. That's up to you what you give. He said, why have you conceived this thing in your heart that, and you have not lied to men but to God? And this is a mistake people, church people, make all the time. We're so busy focused on people, we forget God sent you to that place to worship. And God sent you to that place to learn about him. God didn't send you to get offended and then run to the church down the street and say they don't treat you right over there. Grow up. If you came looking for God and God was in that place, you left in disobedience. I don't care how bad people treat you over there. Huh? The Syrophoenician woman came up and wanted a healer for her daughter, and Jesus told her, uh, you a dog. I don't give my bread to dogs. He abused me. She said, uh-uh, baby, because I'm a dog. I'm taking the crumbs off the table. You got me? That's how you stay in a place God sends you. Huh? You stay. <laughs> and humble yourself. Make yourself very small. Or, you know, we've had women come to church and know God sent them there. Ain't no men here. None for you. God wouldn't do that to some man. 
you know she find a brother that halfway act like he interested she pinning up against the wall start patting him down and ooh, ouch Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and gave up the ghost. And great fear, <laughs> yeah, I don't get you, fear came on all them that heard these things. The young men arose, bound him up, and took him out and buried him. Now, they didn't bury the man in the wife coming into church late. Three hours after he's buried, she shows up. How y'all like my new hat? Well, you know, I had to get my fill in this week, and them appointments was tight, girl. I just couldn't put that off. Well, you getting prepared for your burial, too. You know, it pays to be on to church on time. Oh, that got a rounding applause. they ain't doing nothing i come because ain't nothing going on yet and it won't be going on as long as you dragging in there two hours late sapphira she came in late and heard something that rocked her world i said dang she said, probably said i should have been on time because i'd have told it all after i saw him hit the flow i'd have told it all Uh And Peter gave her a chance to come out of agreement with her husband. This was her chance to repent. Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for this money. She said, yeah, that's what we did. Peter said, okay, you hear them footsteps? They're coming to take you away. Amen. Amen. Could have got out of it. See, God is merciful. When the Holy Spirit is there, he's already convicted her husband not to lie to them people up there. They ain't mere men. Those are people I sent, and my atmosphere controls this up in here. See, when God decides he's not going to tolerate something, he's done with it. Huh? He wasn't going to tolerate people pretending in an atmosphere where he had already ordained that they would have 5,000 salvations a day. You can't get that with people running around lying and carrying on. and hmm? Get them liars out of there. Huh? Get them out of there. So. If we want to agree with a lie, God will let us, but he will give you an opportunity to tell the truth. For example, during the 60s, this nation began a trend toward liberalism. What liberalism is, it's immoral, number one. It has no foundation. The the foundation of liberalism is situational morality. You decide what's right and wrong. There's no God. There's no Bible. There's nothing like that. So 60 years later, we see the results of that movement. In, in schools in major cities, the dropout rate is over 65% in some areas. This, when, when I was in school, it was rare. Kids dropped out, and, and the principal went to visit their home to see what was wrong and see if they could teach it and work with those teachers. You know, if they were close to graduating, they say, you don't want to go out in the world without this. You know, we'll help you. 
to get there. They fought for you. Family divorce rate is well over 60% now, 50%. Out of wedlock births, near 50% or more. Cohabitating couples is increased every year. Abortion in 2013 was 200 per 1,000 live births or 12.5 out of 1,000 women have had an abortion. Drug use is skyrocketed. Crime is skyrocketing. If anybody agrees with one element of the liberal agenda, you agree with it all. That's why you got to drink all the Kool-Aid if you're going to get along in that world. Amen? It's amazing how many liberal people who have quote-unquote power have forced ministers of the gospel to renounce basic truths that we preach in the church, that we've always preached in the church. So they come into agreement with part of it. They come into agreement with it all. Amen? And so you and I have to stand against not only the wicked world, but also wickedness among our own that are liberal and want to soft-pedal the gospel and deny Christ, deny that Christ has a standard and that he shed his blood to enforce this standard. Certain elements of this agenda, if we agree with them, we agree with all of them. So that's what agreement does. Agreement puts people in power who use the liberal agenda for their own selfish gain and their own means. They like it when when uh, uh, people want to play and fornicate and take dope and just live a life, a frivolous life. They like that because then they can push while the world's asleep. They can push their own personal agenda and their personal aims. Amen. And so when God sees that going on, then he raises up a standard to stop it. He's not going to let unrighteousness prevail. And especially if his people pray. If we pray, we, we uh, won't come into agreement with what the world is doing. I, uh, we, uh, in the ministry, we, we support by prayer in, 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 in reality our law enforcement. And we got bracelets, they call them thin blue line bracelets, so we got them in support of our law enforcement. It'll shock you how many people you go around that they're anti-police all of a sudden. I said, well, why don't you, when you get in trouble, just take 911 off your phone. If you can't support these people and you can't pray for them and you can't stand up, I don't care what color people are that hate them. I don't care. I'm with the white man. Huh? I'm with him. I ain't with y'all on this one. It's nonsense. You know, in inner city people of all people, you need the police more than you need anything. All these empty houses with dope in them and people snatching your kids right in front of your face. Are you kidding me? Police, the police, your popo, your best friend. Cut this nonsense out. Come into agreement with that foolishness. Well, you know, it's some of them. That's some of them. I don't want to hear about some of them. I know when the one come to my door, if he come to my door to help me, I'm letting him in. And I won't help in my time of need. 
So the church must stand against subtleties because the power of agreement is real. The subtleties of liberal thought, no matter who proposes it. The devil does this. He'll get somebody dressed up like somebody you got to believe. You got me? And then he'll start having them just, uh, you know, spout their stuff, and, and then you have to believe it because of who they are. Be careful with your amens. Major, the major way liberalism has come into the church is that we agree with people we like or we think are popular or they write books. Amen? And so we, uh, there's something sometimes about people we admire and we find it pleasing. And we forget to listen to the message and where the message comes from. So we must stay vigilant over our hearts and over God's standards. We have to examine standards and values and the message over uh, race, gender, visual appeal, age, or popularity, or how large a church they have, or how much we think they, they should be believed because of certain things. God says we agree as, when we agree as concerning anything we ask, and that pertains to our desires. <clears throat> our confession is our expression of our desire. So what you say expresses what's in your heart. Be careful that your heart is pure. You know, one of the things that we do, it's typical to do when you get around Christians, you try to figure out what you think they want to hear so they'll think you're spiritual. Um, you have to stop doing that because God is calling that stuff out. God will give you what you desire, whether it's good for you or not, sometimes if you demand it. Israel had manna coming up every day. What could be easier? Go out and pick it up, and that's it. But they demanded they didn't like that. Wasn't good enough, so they wanted quail. God gave it to them until it ran out. Yeah, ran out of their noses. They ate so much of it. God wanted to govern Israel, but they agreed for a king. And they, the first king he gave them was Saul, who did nothing God told him to do. So he'll put you under disobedient leadership if you just demand that that happen. The world works through agreement, treaties. The United Nations is, is overrun now by people who have one thing in mind, and that is to stop Israel from being a nation. Amen? So... Uh, God sees two things that move him. When his church is threatened, when Israel's threatened. Somebody threatened both of them at the same time, you history. It's done. Amen. God can dissolve agreement, but we, he must have his people to stand against whatever it is that's agreed upon. So Christians are going to have to make bold stands against the liberal agenda and against what, what liberal people want. Because the enemy will cloak a voice in, in a certain garment that's agreeable to people. And you drink the Kool-Aid and you wind up getting poisoned. You know, you can't, you, if you're a Christian, you can't vote for somebody who, you know, you, you have a baby that's about to be born. And women who have had children, you know that's a crucial time because you don't know if you're going to die, the baby going to die. It's just all hanging there, even though people are being comforting to you 
and and telling you everything's all right but there's a place in there where that can be held in jeopardy because the little baby is fighting as much as he can to get into this world and live and you tell me it's okay for somebody to tell you that they believe you can take a, uh, a scissors and clip the spinal cord with that baby when he's halfway out of the womb and that's all right you vote for that person well you're in agreement with that well i don't agree with that part of it you when you drink kool-aid you drink the whole thing you need to spit all the kool-aid out huh well the other person ain't no better well they ain't talking about murdering babies we got to draw the line somewhere and see, that's what God is doing now. He's drawing a line, and everybody that's on God's side got to be on one side, and people who are not on the other side. That's just the way it is. He's always felt that way. Just because somebody tells you it's legal, you think that means it's right? Have you seen them people on the Supreme Court? They're older than me. Most of them pretty old. And most of the time, I can't remember where I put my glasses, where I put my... And then people going to tell us they know right from wrong above us. You better put them under God. I don't care how, how conservative they are and who put them in there. You better put them people under God, you know, and let God decide if they're right or not. When we agree with God's word, we harmonize with him, and we call an end to Satan's power of agreement. That's how you stop the devil. You come into agreement with God's strong agreement that he's already declared in the earth. All you got to do is line up with God. You can't love anything more than you love him. And every day you get up, you're going to have to prove you love him by your prayer, your confession, the way you conduct your life, the way you conduct your business, and whether or not you stand against thought that says sin is okay or everybody sins or i was born this way or you know or doubting well god maybe that is true you know slap yourself three times and tell yourself quit drinking the kool-aid amen spit that out and allow god's truth to be established because there are people who are victims of the lies of the devil they're not all perpetrators they are victims they've been told these things they've been told it's okay and when they step out and start trying to live out of that lie they find nothing but death and destruction at the end of it all these drive-by shootings chicago's a sanctuary city they need to close they need to be a sanctuary for normal people and law-abiding people instead of people who can come in and break the law anytime they want to you got me there has to be somebody to stand up for the normal people who want a normal life and just want to live amen and that's what that's a power of our agreement in god amen amen why don't we stop father we thank you for allowing us the opportunity to understand the power of our words and we agree with you god we agree for righteousness i don't care how old-fashioned it seems or how the devil wants to cause us to shove those words down our throat or anything like that. We agree for righteousness. We want righteousness in our government. We want people that can obey you 
and have right standing in your eyes, who want to do your will, who will not fight against your will because of selfish gain. I thank you also, Father, that you're going to come and clean the church out of false doctrine, of, of, of uh, shaky doctrine, stuff that does not hold up, and that you're cleaning your bride even now, that she's in her right mind and she's clothed in dignity. So we thank you for that, Lord. We bless you and we praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. If anybody needs to.